Welcome to the Life Point Church podcast. You know, sharing a message on Sunday is not what we do to fill 30 minutes. It's taking God's thoughts, and the Bible says the Word of God's alive, and it's, it's exposing that to you and teaching that to you, and, and that's, that's what helps give us revelation, and we have to have faith, a revelation to have faith, and God honors faith, and faith is the key, and the Word of God is alive, and it's, it's changing things, and so um, we, we do this thing here as a staff, and it's actually... Um, I hate to use the word rule, but it's, it's a rule. Um, we have um, the first 30 minutes of every morning, we, we call it first 30. And what it is, is I, I tell our team that the first 30 minutes uh, is not coffee break, it's not conversation, it's shut your door and be with Jesus. Read your Bible, pray, study. I'm not trying to make your relationship with God uh, a rule, but um, we just want to block out time to do that. And so um, a few months ago, as I was just... The way I do mine, I'll, I'll read, study, and pray, and I'll just journal and write some things down. And I've learned that when I come across something in the Bible um, and it hits me, I stop and I study on it. Because I know sometimes we can look at something and not understand it, or sometimes we come across something like, ouch, and we just jump over it, you know? And so I've learned not to jump over it, and I'll just take some notes. Sometimes it turns into a sermon. Sometimes it's just for me, or sometimes... Um, it's just something God want, wants to bring out and, and bring about. And so a few months ago, I came across, as I was reading in the book of 1 John, a few things. I studied them out, left them in my journal, didn't think much more about it. And a couple of weeks ago, um, when I was on Thursdays, we have AMP students here, and we have our staff, and we worship, we pray, and we do a training. And so I, I was doing the training that morning, and, and I just felt like I was supposed to share what I'm going to share with you this morning. Didn't really know why, but I shared it. And... You could just literally sense, feel, and see God's freedom just come in the room. And so I believe that's going to happen this morning. If you have a lot of religion in you, your brain's going to hurt for a little bit. It's going to be a little challenging, um, but it's truth. And truth always sets us free. So y'all ready to go this morning? I, just let me give you my title. My title is this, Free to Believe, Free to Receive. You have to be free to believe if you're going to receive. Amen? So I'm going to start in the book of 3 John, read you a couple scriptures, say a couple things, then hit the main part and share three pointers with you this morning, as I always do. You say, why do you share three pointers? I believe um, you need three things you can grab a hold of, walk home, and apply. Good. Good. More than three is hard sometimes. And so the Bible says, don't just hear the word, do the word. It actually says, if you just hear it and you don't do it, you confuse yourself. So as you hear it, what that means is you hear it and you're like, oh, that's good. I need to apply that. And you never do. It just leads to confusion. But if you hear it and you determine to do it, go home this week, look it up again, listening it and do it, it gets in your life. So 1 John chapter 3, whoever, this is verse 4, whoever commits, everyone say commits, Sin also commits lawlessness because sin is actually lawlessness. Verse 5, and you know that he was manifest to take away our sins, and in him there's no sin. Verse 6, whoever abides in him doesn't sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him or known him. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is 
just as he's righteous. Verse 8, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil was sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9, so whoever's been born of God doesn't sin, for his seed remains in him, and he can't sin because he has been born of God. The context of this chapter and these verses, you have to understand, um, all of what God is revealing in his word here is continuous. So when you see the word commit, it means to continually practice or to have a continuous habit. So the Bible says if we continue to practice sin, we're actually practicing lawlessness. Lawlessness means we're deviating from the standard. So if we are having a habit of practicing sin, we're deviating from a standard. And he goes on and it says, but if we're practicing and habitually abiding in the Lord, then the Bible says we're going to remain in his word and, and we'll, we'll not fall into sin, we'll not fall into failure. But the Bible says this, that he put his seed in us. It's the Greek word sperma. We get the word sperm from. What that means is God has put his DNA in us. He has put his nature in us, and we're a brand new creation. Let, let me put it this way. Um, just let me say a couple of things. Um, let's see. This will make your brain hurt. According to what I just read, as a born-again, truly born-again Christian, you cannot continue to habitually sin. That's what the Word of God said. You can't habitually continue to sin as a real born-again child of God. Well, let me explain that. The Bible says there's an incorruptible seed in you now. God's own seed was put in you. You're a brand new creation. You know what that means is there's not going to be a brand new sin in your life. You're not going to wake up tomorrow, oh, I never wanted to do that before and just have that sin before you because you're a brand new creation. Now, there's some old residue and there's some old man in us that God's continuing to transition and change and remodel us. And sometimes there's old residue and there's old thoughts and there's old challenges that pop up. But you can't continue to habitually sin. Why? Because there's, there's new nature in you. Paul said it this way, I want to do what's right, but I seem to do what's wrong. Woe is me. But then he said, but I sense a new principle working in me. That's the principle of life working in you. Let, let, let me just give you a, this might seem silly, but there might have been a day when you couldn't finish one sentence without beep, 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 blankety blank, beep, beep, beep. But maybe God's really changing you, and you don't talk like that anymore. But maybe you hit your finger with a hammer one day, and something slipped. And sometimes we get fixated on what slipped instead of the change that is really, really happening in us. And it's an amazing thing, but there, there, there is a new nature in you. You are not, you, you may not fully be who you want to be yet, but thank God you are not fully who you used to be. And so there, is, there are times there's some old residue working in us, but it is impossible for a truly born-again child of God to habitually sin. Now, you used to sin and not even feel bad about it. You were good at it. But see, now there's some new desires. There's some new remorse over that. There, there, there's some new drive in you. There's, there's, I mean, no, that's, that's, that's the work of God. That's his DNA in you. That's a new you working. 
And see, you know, it is true that sin is sin, but there are some different ways of looking at sin. First of all, there's the nature of sin. We all had a, a sin nature, and we commit sins. There are going to be times that we just stumble and bumble, and we're going to fail at times. And then there's rebellion. Rebellion is just, I'm going to sin, I'm going to make excuses for it, I'm going to do how I want, doesn't matter what the worst is, and we're going to live in rebellion. But thank God we serve a good God who gives us seasons to repent and come out. Remember I told you God is for you. And so the Bible, I just want you to get this picture that God's alive in you and working in you if you're a child of God. And you can't just sin like you used to and feel the same way you used to be about it. You cannot, can, isn't that good news? You can't habitually sin like you used to. Maybe some old residue, but you're not going to be able to sin like you used to and not feel remorse over it, not feel bad over it, not want to change over it, not want to come out of it. That's a good thing, amen? But So let me ask you this question. Y'all believe what I just said, right? That was in the Bible. Um, let, let's take a survey. Um, first question would be this. How many of you have ever missed the mark since you became a believer? If you didn't raise your hand, you just missed it because you lied. <laughs> and that's what sin is to miss the mark, miss the target. And all of us, even since we've been born again, have missed the mark. You say, well, Pastor Aaron, why do we sin? You know why you sin? Because you want to. Your flesh wants to. And you used to be dominated by your flesh, but now your spirit's born again. That's, a, a, that's the alive part in you. Yeah, you still have a flesh to deal with. You still have a soul to deal with. That's why the Bible said be transformed in the renewing of your thinking and your mind. We're always being remodeled, and as long as you're growing. And, 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 and you know, David had some big failures in his life, but the Bible said he always had a heart after God. It was a repentant heart. It was, it, it was a heart to believe God that God was changing him. So let's say as believers, sometimes we, we, we fail. Now let me ask this question. When you failed, you stumbled, you bumbled, you tripped up, you sinned, you got into rebellion, you allowed some things. How many of you, when you did that, you felt shut off from God? Felt God was, and we, we have heard things like this. Well, you've ruined your fellowship with God. You're out of fellowship with God. And I want you to know, that's things we say, but that's not what the Bible teaches. Now, I want you to stick with me today. Don't walk out and don't mishear what I'm saying, because you've got to hear everything that I'm saying today, because it will help you. And when, that, when you failed, how many of you felt some shame? You felt condemnation. Well, what do you do with that? I love Jesus, but man, I've got, I failed. And I feel shame, and I feel condemnation. Am I talking to the right crowd? I'm going to answer today what you do with that. First John, let's keep reading. This is down in verse 19. And this we know, that we are of the truth. The word truth, you could say it this way, we know we're set free. Because the truth sets you free. So what we're about to read here is truth. Just because religion tells us things or people say things doesn't make it the truth. What the word of God says is the truth. This we know that we are of the truth, look what it says, and shall assure our hearts before him. So we're talking about hearts here. Verse 20, if our heart condemns us, God is actually greater than our heart 
even, because, even though he knows all things. Let's read on. Verse 21, beloved. Well, that tells us he's talking to us. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Verse 22, whatever we ask, we from him because we keep his commands and we do the things that are pleasing in his sight. I want to help you today to continue to be free to believe and free to receive. So let's make some pointers. Point, point number one, I would say it this way. If our heart is free, we have confidence toward God. I just want you to imagine this with me. Um, you're doing pretty good. I mean, you and God are good. Haven't really failed, haven't had any mistakes, no sin. I mean, you, you've went three days. I'm joking, but you, you, things are good. And because things are good and your attitude's been good, um, your thoughts have been good, your actions have been good, you can kind of stick out your Jesus chest and have confidence to come before God and to believe and to ask something you might want, something you might need. There's this confidence. Why? Because your heart's free. We could say it this way. Your conscience is clear. How many love those times? Those are, those are good, good times. Hearts are clear. So there's this confidence. We can come before God. There's nothing between us and God. We haven't had a lot of failure. And so there's this confidence. I can come and receive God because I'm doing pretty good. But what happens when we're not doing so good and we've allowed some sin or there's an old habit or there's um, a failure or there's a bad attitude or we've done something or thought something, something we've allowed. What do we do then? Because what happens is our heart condemns us. Our conscience isn't clear. We sense the failure. We know there's a standard and we realize we're missing it. But yet you love God. Yet you, you want to honor God. So let me use a different word than the word condemn. We could use the word torment. We could use the word accuse. So what happens when you failed and there's that, you know when you failed, there's that torment that keeps hitting your heart, keeps hitting your mind because you've fallen short. And you feel the accusation. What do you do then? So if I'm good between God and I'm doing pretty good, I have a confidence to go before God. Well, here's the second point. If your heart does condemn you, according to the truth, God's bigger than your heart. So I'm doing good. Haven't really sinned, haven't really failed. Been pretty good. I got confidence to come before God. But what if I have failed? What if I've done wrong? What if I've fallen into sin? What if I missed the mark? My heart's going to condemn me. But God's bigger than your heart. Did y'all get that? He's bigger than your heart. His love is greater than your failure. His compassion is larger then you're failure because he's a good God. A better way of saying that is God will quiet your condemnation. God will quiet your torment. God will quiet the thoughts. He'll quiet the accusations. He's bigger than your thoughts. And scripture says, even though he knows all things, he still does not condemn you. In other words, he knows you on the inside, past your mask, to your private self, 
that he doesn't condemn you. Now, let me prove it with a really good scripture. I know you know this, but Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Let's read this together. There is, therefore, now, when? Now, no what? Condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, the scripture goes on that says, um, who don't walk in the flesh, but according to the spirit. Actually, in the Greek, that's not on there. So when they took the Greek and they brought it over into the English, some of the stuff was hard for them to believe, so they emphasized certain things. But really, it just would stop there. So there's therefore now, there's no condemnation if you're in Jesus. If you're in Jesus, a spirit of condemnation is not for you. Even though he knows all things, he knows you, he doesn't condemn you. If there's condemnation on your heart, your heart's, your conscience isn't clear, here's the good news. God's bigger than your heart. He's bigger than your failure. He's bigger than your thoughts. He's bigger than that stuff. So let, let, let's say there's a failure, whatever it might be, however intense it could be, there's failure. As a believer, when there's failure, there's guilt. And guilt's not necessarily a bad thing because guilt brings you to forgiveness. You repent. God, I come to you, I repent. And repent means to not only turn from, it means turn to. So what that means, if, I, if I'm repenting of my rebellion or my failure, I repent, I not only turn from it, I gotta turn to something, which means I gotta turn to him. So if there is failure, there is guilt that follows, and it's gonna bring me to a place where I come before God and I'm forgiven when I repent. Now, let, let me add this in here. You don't go to God to get forgiveness. You go to God because you are forgiven. Did you all get that? You don't go to get forgiveness. You go because you are forgiven. We'll build on that in a moment. But if your heart would condemn you, the work on the cross is bigger than your failure. Are you kidding me? The work of Jesus, the bloodshed that Jesus shed on that cross, it's bigger than whatever it is that, that, that is accusing you and tormenting you. It's bigger than what you may have felt at. Anyone glad for that? He will quiet our condemnation. But the devil's greatest tool is condemnation. He will, talk, he, he, he will steal your lunch and blame God for it. He will, he will tempt you and talk you into failing and then accuse you. Well, if you're really a Christian, you wouldn't think that. You wouldn't have done that. You wouldn't have said, you call yourself, it must not have took for you. Work for everybody else. It must not have worked for you. And we have this condemnation and this torment. But guys, God's bigger than that. There has to be something that can quiet that torment and quiet that condemnation. And we have a Savior bigger than that. So if you're doing good, hey, you got confidence to go right before God. But man, if you haven't done so good, God is bigger than our hearts. And we just read that we are people of truth. The word of God is truth, amen? Now let me stop here and say this to you. I am in no way saying, please understand, I am in no way saying that sin's no big deal. It is a big deal. And there's always the grace of God. There's always the forgiveness of God. That doesn't mean that eliminates consequences. And if there is failure, if there's mistakes, if there's sin, if you're blown, if there's bad attitudes, God absolutely wants us to repent. And there may be people we need to go to and confess or mend or forgive. 
It doesn't mean that we just blow by it and there's no big deal. No. It, it, and there are times even in God's grace and goodness, he'll correct us. But what God doesn't do, and what God doesn't do is take your car and smash it into a pole to teach you a lesson. And what God doesn't do is put cancer on you to, treat you, to teach you a lesson. You know how God teaches us? The words of Jesus. How does God correct us? With the word of God. Because if you believe that God would be putting that on you, don't pray for healing. Why would you pray for healing if God did it? We have to get our theology right. And there are times our heart will condemn us. And it takes, the more, see, before you were born again, you came to God with sin and shame and condemnation, and all you had was you heard a message about putting your faith in him, and you came, and, and God cleansed you. But somewhere along the line, we walk away from that, and we think it's about our performance. It was never about your performance. It was about the performance on the cross by Jesus. So here's why this is so important is because if our hearts condemn us and we fail, and, and once again, I'm not downplaying that. There, there, there's a season of fixing things and working things and making the right decisions and making amends and all of that stuff. That's part of restoration. It's part of healing. But I'm here to tell you this morning, God's bigger than your heart. He's bigger than your failure. And, and, and even if the failure, sometimes, sometimes it's recent stuff. And guys, listen, sometimes it's stuff that could have been a long time ago. You know, Paul dealt with that. Remember when Paul, Paul talked about, he said this about himself. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. Remember he said that? That was like 30 years after his conversion. So he still was understanding he felt bad about some things he did or he allowed. But then he started speaking about the sufficiency of grace. Because I'm telling you, we serve a good God. If he wasn't good, you wouldn't be sitting here because you'd be a toast. He would have already zapped you, but he's for you. And God sees the end before we do. And he knows what you've questioned you'd be free from, you're already free. And he knows, he sees, he's already seen the credits. You know what I mean? At the movies, at the end, there's the credits. If you go to a Marvel movie, you need to sit through those because there's these little pieces in there that you're going to miss. I didn't know that at first, and my daughter won't get up. I'm like, it's over. Let's get out of here because I'm on the move. I'm out of here. I'm going to be the first person to the parking lot. I'm going to get out of here for everyone else. And she's like, no, we got to watch. I'm like, I'm not reading these credits, but then there's those little pieces. See, God sees the pieces, and he's seen the credits, and he knows how this thing turns out, and he's for you. And he says, in all these things, you're more than a conqueror. He's looking at this. You're, you're, you're a champion through these things. He sees you free. He sees you delivered. He sees you whole. Come on, somebody. In your darkest movement, in your darkest moment, God has compassion, but he's not freaking out because he knows the end. You thought you'd never get free. He sees you free. You, you didn't think you could go on. He sees you. On the other side, he sees your restoration. He sees your, he, he sees the, he, 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 I want you to get this. Sometimes we think God is obsessed with our failures. When God looks at your life, he can't see past the blood of Jesus. He's not obsessed with your failure. He's obsessed with getting you through, breaking you through, moving you on, getting you over. 
getting you delivered. So if you're doing good, hey, confidence before God. If your heart isn't free and your conscience isn't clear, God's bigger than your heart. He'll quiet your condemnation. And here, here's the third thing. Here's, this is why this is so important. If God is bigger than your heart, we have confidence before him. You're doing good. Confidence. If your heart condemns you. He's bigger than that. And if, his, if he is bigger than your heart, and if he is quieting your condemnation, you have the same confidence before God. Right, we, we need to prove this to you. Here, here's what happens. Condemnation will conflict with confidence. It will conflict with confidence, and it does affect your relationship with God because the devil's greatest tool is to condemn you, but God's greatest tool is love. It's grace. It's mercy. We start, see, here's what happens. When we start feeling guilt and shame and condemnation and torment, we do not go to God. Our focus is on self, our focus is on failure, and we start making God all these promises that I won't do it again, let me off the hook this last time. Not you guys, this is how the first crowd was at 9.30. Come on, am I talking to somebody here? And we've taken it and we made it about us, and because we made it about us and we see the standard and we see the line that we fell from and we're condemned because we're not making that mark, now it's about us. And it will keep us from going to God confidently. So what, what are you saying, Pastor Aaron, that even if I've blown it, I still come confidently before God? Absolutely. I'm absolutely saying that because that's what Scripture says. Now, I, I'm not saying that, hey, there won't be some conviction and remorse and repent. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying where you need to go when you felt it is to the grace of God. Not to get forgiven, but because you are forgiven. I'm going to prove it to you. Y'all ready? Hebrews chapter, y'all glad you came. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have such a great high priest who has already passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, then let us hold fast our confession of faith. All right, he's our high priest. He's made a way for us. Because of that, we can hold on to our confession. Keep that in mind. Here we go. Verse 15. We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but he was in all points tempted, yet he was tempted, but he did not sin. In other words, every temptation you can imagine, Jesus faced it. He's been there, got the t-shirt, but he didn't give in. But he sympathizes with our weaknesses. (coughs) Verse 16. So therefore, let us come with all boldness to the throne of judgment. Oh, grace, yeah. So we get it wrong, don't we? If it's a throne of judgment, how many of you want to go running? Judge me. Well, we keep from it. But the Bible says we have a high priest. He's been there. He's made a way so we can come boldly. Here's another word for boldly, frankly. Here's another word, confidently. Your confidence is not based on how well you've done it. It's based on the way he's prepared for you. And whether you've got confidence because your heart's clear or you've made some blunders, I'm telling you, here's where you need to go, right to the throne of Jesus. I couldn't, I can't. 
because condemnation will make you walk away from the grace of God. God's over here with grace, and you're over here repelling it because you're letting condemnation and shame settle on you, and that's not the spirit God wants you to have. It's the condemnation that hurts your fellowship. It's not because you've sinned, now God's against you. He was for you before you were ever born again. He's been with you and he's for you through every failure, through every setback, through every season. And he's going to be there through every setback and blunder and fumble in the future. He's there when you got it going on and he's there when you haven't got it going on. And he says, get to the throne of grace. And he says, when you get to the throne of grace, look what you're going to obtain, mercy. And look what you're going to find, grace. When? When you need it in the time of need. So you're doing good. You might not need grace and mercy at that moment. You've got confidence. But man, when your heart's condemning you, he's bigger than your heart. He'll quiet your condemnation. It doesn't mean there's no consequences. It doesn't mean you got to work some things out. It doesn't mean God's not, you know, he might, he might need to correct. You may need to go repent to somebody. You may need to work some forgiveness. I'm not skipping that stuff. I'm just saying in your time of need, and sometimes we're in a time of need when you didn't do so good, when you had a bad attitude, when you were disobedient, when you stumbled and fell back, went all of, what do you, you go to the throne of grace. And the Bible says you find two things there, mercy and grace. Literally in the Greek, it says he'll throw you a rope. Now, if, if you're in need of rescue and someone throws you a rope, how well you're rescued depends on what's on the other end of that rope. You need more than a support group. You need God Almighty on the other end. Nothing wrong with your support group. I'm just saying you need more than that. You need more than your willpower. You need more than your promises. <laughs> Come on, you need more than I'm going to do better. You need more than that. You need, you need grace at the other end of that rope. And mercy. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. Grace is unmerited, it's unearned, it's undeserved. It's a superior who takes a special liking to an inferior, knowing that they will never be able to repay them. See, when you're a good God, you, 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 you do good. So the Bible says, come boldly, come frankly, and it's just saying, God, I've blown it, I've failed I need the rope. And you might be sitting here this morning and you need the rope. Literally, this scripture could be read this way. You have been cleared at the highest level. You have been cleared at the highest level. So what do we do? We shift our confidence from ourself and our own condemnation and we shift it to the goodness of God. And what do you do? You say what Jesus said. Because here's what you want to say. I'm a worm. I'm no good. I can't do this. Da, da, da. But you say what Jesus said. The moment you fell, what do you say? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am dead to sin. I am alive to Christ. How many know that's the time to say that? I mean, you should say it every morning. But when you fail, instead of trying to make God all your promises... 
God, I declare what your word says. I'm going to say what you say. I'm dead to that sin. I'm alive to you. I'm righteous. It's your righteousness on my life. It's not that. Because you can either stay, you can set up camp in that condemnation, or you can put your faith back over here in the goodness of God, the freedom of God. Y'all doing all right? right, let, let, let Let me give you a couple scriptures down the home stretch here. You ready? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a true heart with full assurance in him because our hearts have been sprinkled our conscience has been sprinkled our body has been washed what should we do draw near to God but I don't feel I can don't go by your feelings put some faith in to draw near to God you don't feel so righteous don't sound so what do you do I say what Jesus said about me I'm righteous I'm free from that I've told you I have told you this before I'm telling you if you want to quit smoking or a bad habit what do you do every time you light it up I'm free from this addiction even if you have to go oh Lord Jesus you keep speaking the word of God declaring the word of God it'll bring you out because it's the words of Jesus now, don't go home and I'm just saying Declare over it. Speak over it. Say what Jesus... It says, hold fast to our confession. Hey, if you got ailment in your body, aren't you speaking healing? If you got ailment in your heart, speak freedom. If you got ailment in your life, you speak freedom. You're saying, I'm holding on to what Jesus said. I'm drawing near with assurance. Your assurance, assurance isn't based on how well you've done. It's based on the loving power <coughs> sorry, of Jesus and how well he did on the cross. <coughs> Hebrews 11.6 says, when you come before God, come in faith and believe God's a rewarder. It didn't say get your stuff together and then come. It says come boldly to the throne. Ephesians says we have this boldness and we have access with confidence to God through Jesus. 1 John says if we ask, he hears, and if he hears, we have our petitions. One more scripture. Y'all ready for this? 1 John 4, 17. And here is our hope. Here's our hope. Anyone need some hope this morning? Here's our hope. Love has been made perfect in this, that we have boldness. What do we have? Boldness. It says in the day of judgment, we could say it this way, we have boldness not to be judged. I've explained this, but we are not in a season of direct wrath. Direct wrath, that was the Old Testament. We are in a season of grace. In other words, direct wrath means you do something wrong, God gets you for it. We're not in that season. That doesn't mean there's not consequences and things. The Bible says, as he is, we are in this world. As Jesus is in the world, so is Jesus in shame and condemnation in this world? No neither are you. The Bible says this. We can come before God believing we receive based on our faith in the grace and goodness of God. Not distracted by our failures. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever not so good and God blessed you? 
Now, this is not a license to go home and be like, well, just do whatever then. God's, no, 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 no. It's not how it works. The grace and love of Jesus makes you not want to walk in that stuff. It's the grace that brings you out. The love of God brings you to repentance. The goodness of God delivers you. No matter what you've done, where you've been, how you felt, whatever your setback is, God's for you. And how dark it seems, how hard it seems, I'm telling you, God's a redeemer and he's a restorer. And what the enemy meant for evil and what you messed up, God has this amazing, amazing way of making a miracle out of your mess and a triumph out of your tests. So what you feel is that you can't come before God because you've missed the mark. And God says, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. I'm going to be honest with you, the verbiage really says it this way. Put a demand on the promises of God. Our word is ask, but in the original language, it's the word demand. Now, not disrespectfully, but it means to put a demand on the righteousness of God. You know, when you need the righteous, when you know, when, when you need to know you're righteous, you need to put a demand on the righteousness of God. The goodness of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God. He said, I'll throw you a rope in your time of need. And it's called grace and mercy. Because here's what happens. Our shame and our condemnation starts talking. And we come into a church service because we know we need to be here. But we can't lift holy hands. And we can't worship. You know, because there's something between me and God. And I'm saying what the word would say, you come in by faith, repent, get your hands in the air, and worship. Because your worship should never be about you. And it should never be about how well you've done. Your worship is the fact that God has not changed. He is the same yesterday. He's the same right now. He'll be the same. He's, he's the same whether you have a good wig or you fumble a little bit or you stumble. He's still God. And somewhere in your faith and your pursuit and your pressing through and your worshiping, holding on to that confession, somewhere in that, I'm telling you, God will lift your shame. He'll lift your condemnation. He'll bring you freedom. He'll bring you breakthrough. There's some stuff you're going to have to do and obey and correct. Absolutely. But I'm telling you, God is for you and he is not against you. Let's all stand. be so prideful to think now, I know you wouldn't do it intentionally we'd be so prideful and pride puts us in opposition to God we'd be so prideful to think that our failure and our condemnation and our heart is bigger than our God are you kidding me he's bigger he can quiet your condemnation he can quiet he says I know all things and yet I'll quiet your condemnation yet 
I'll break you through. Yet, you'll receive from me. You're free to believe. That makes you free to receive on the work of Jesus, not the performance of you. Not the performance of you. Not the performance of you. It's the performance of Jesus on the cross. And I'm telling you, the time to raise your hallelujah is when you feel like you're not worthy to shout a hallelujah. And the time to shout your hallelujah is when you don't have all the answers. And the time to shout your hallelujah is when you know you can't depend on you, but you can depend on Him. And the time to shout your hallelujah is not when you've been doing good all the time, because that's about you. The time to shout your hallelujah is when, God, I need you. My faith is in you. My faith is in you for a house, but my faith is also in you that I'm righteous. And my faith is also in you that I'm free. And my faith is also in you that that I can come before you and walk in your grace. And walk in your mercy. Sorry, got a little cough thing going on here this morning. So how about we throw our hands in the air this morning and let's shout a hallelujah to him. Don't let shame or condemnation to keep your hands in your pockets this morning. Well, what will people think? People are going to think you're free. That's what they're going to think. They're going to think, they're going to think you know God. They're going to think you know God. You're going to know his word. That's why the Bible said, we are of the truth. We are, that truth sets you free. We are of the truth. And the truth is, God will quiet your hearts and he'll quiet your condemnation because he is for you. He is not against you. Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church Podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com.